Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone McKinney. We are thrilled that you're here. Uh, just like Pastor Nick said, we know that each and every week it's someone's first time, and uh, that's a big deal to us and the team. And if I have not had an opportunity to meet you, uh, my wife Wendy and I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, hopefully you are recovering from all the food that you indulged in, or in my case, all the pumpkin pie that you indulged in. If anyone has pumpkin pie, you are trying to get rid of, just find Esther. She'll make sure to get that to me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we are so thrilled about this fall season. It was an amazing time. Uh, we celebrated 20-year anniversary. Uh, we worshiped together. We celebrated together. We gave together in our miracle offering. Uh, many of you gave towards that. If you'd still like to be a part of the miracle offering, you can do so. You can uh, find more information about that online. Uh, we had an amazing time preparing for coming into this season. And now I'm still wrapping my brain around what Pastor Nick just said. Christmas is four weeks away. Like, I'm just like, wow, okay. So many of you already knew. You were counting down. You're dialed in. You have the ticker on your phone. You have it in your house. You're ready to go. And uh, it's crazy to think that it's almost here. And we're wrapping up today a little two-part series that I'm doing called Thankful. Uh, what does it look like to experience God's presence in our life in a consistent ongoing basis. We can do that. And, and just by looking last week, we talked about the premise and this, under, this connection really uh, to, to living a grateful life, that it really connects to something that we don't always think of, and it's worship. That a more thankful life leads to a more worshipful life, and a more worshipful life leads to a more thankful life. Now, I know what you may be saying. You're like, Pastor Chris, like you talking about like worship, like the thing we just did, like the music part of the service, like the raising the hands and the clapping and the singing. Yes, all of it. But even much more than that. We, we talked last week that there's this connection. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. We look at Hebrews 12 right here in verse uh, 28, and we recognize and see that in Hebrews 12, 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Those who are the most thankful are those that are the most worshipful. They understand the connection between the two. But we also looked last week, we, we looked at the words of Paul in Romans. I read for you out of the message translation where it, it's this understanding that worship, yes, it is all those things I just said, but it's even much more than that. As Paul says in Romans 12, that it's take your everyday, ordinary life. You're going to work, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to school, and let it be worship as unto the Lord. That we can live a life of worship and that it's not always simply the context of corporate worship here on a Sunday morning or songs or lifting our hands or clapping or singing, although that's part of it. But it's learning to see what it looks like to live a worshipful life. The, the, the word worship actually comes from the old English word worth-ship, <clears throat> which means the ascribing of the highest worth to someone or something. You see, worship is our heart's response to who God is and what he's done. And so we set the premise of really what a thankful life looks like, what worship is and what it looks like and how they tie together. And what I want to do is I really actually, today I want to make it even more practical. How does that play out in our everyday life? How can we experience God's presence consistently on an ongoing basis and on a daily basis? I want you to open up your Bible, Psalms 16 verse 7, we're going to get there in just a minute, but I want to look at the words of Paul in Colossians 3. He's writing 
to the church here. And he says this in Colossians 3.15. And I think it's unique in, in what he calls our attention to. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. How many of you want more peace in your life? Think about it. That, that's what we want. We're moving. I want more. No one's signing up for more chaos. Yes. Can I have a double dose? Double portion. Chaos. Let me have more. Can I have chaos with a side of chaos? No. We want peace. That's what we're looking for. We want it in our homes. We want it in our families. You just got done having Thanksgiving meal. There may have been those that you were around. You're like, we needed a little more peace. It was a little crazy, chaotic. You have those people in your family. I said last week, if you're like, man, you all have that crazy uncle, right? You know, If you don't know who the crazy uncle is, I told you last week, you're the crazy uncle. Okay, That's who you are. All right. We all want peace. Now watch what he goes on to say. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. So, so we are peacemakers. We're, we're called to live this way. We want this peace. And then he wraps it up with this. And always be thankful. Wow. Always? Really, Paul? Always? I have to always. It's, the same, it's, it's similar to what he writes in 1 Thessalonians. We read it last week. Be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. You're not thankful for everything you experience, but you can be thankful in the circumstance that you're experiencing. So here he is. He's saying, listen, the Bible's saying, listen, every day, all year long, you should be thankful. It's not just a season. It's not just, you know, confined to November and December. When we think about the holidays and those type of things. No, it's gratitude. It's thankfulness. It's the, in fact, here's what he's saying. The peace that we want in our lives is on the other side of living a grateful life. We all want peace. And that peace that you're looking for, it's on the other side of gratitude. Now, that's hard, though, because that isn't natural for us. It, we're not naturally inclined to live that way. Think about it. it. It's hard being around someone who doesn't have that kind of peace. It's hard being around someone that, have you ever been around people that are negative? You know what I'm talking about? Like just always negative. It's like everything glass half empty. You know, it's going to be terrible. The bird is overcooked. The turkey's not done. The stuffing's not ready. Whatever it is. It's always negative. Well, you're around people like that, that it's always glass half empty. And what are we saying? We don't, we don't want that. We want less of that in our life. The truth is our brains actually have a negativity bias. We'll naturally bend towards the negative if we're not careful. We'll naturally see everything could be going well, but it's the one thing that's off and everything's out the window. Everything's terrible. It's just terrible. How is things terrible, you know? I, I was talking to someone earlier this morning. You know, you go and live at peace with one another, right? Be people of peace. Hey, how was your time? Oh, we went and saw family. How was it? Well, you know. You have those, right? You have those moments with family. Well, you know, it, it is what it is. Take it or leave it, right? And so we have, this, we have this nature, this bend, if we're not careful, towards negativity, towards seeing how things aren't going the right way. And, and I started thinking about it. How can I make this real for us today? This idea of these little things that, that sometimes we don't even see. Like you don't even see how these little negative things are impacting you in a harsh way. 
You don't recognize it, but it's the little things over time. Now, there's big things that impact us, but it's these little negative things over time that begin to impact us. And what happens is they begin to poison us from the inside out. They become toxic. And when I started thinking about that, I started thinking about, all right, how do I make this real for us today? And I thought about, really, probably one of Satan's number one weapons that he uses against us. I mean, easy top three. Some would say number one, number two, definitely top three. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, how do I help translate these little things, these nagging things that just, that over time, they stack up and, and they become toxic. And I thought about this number one weapon of the enemy, the mosquito. It's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. I, got the mos- I mean, think about the mosquito. I mean, nobody likes them. I'm like, God, really? We got to talk about it. There's a lot we'll talk about when I see you, when I get to heaven. But mosquito, we got to have a dialogue about this. Now, everything in Texas is bigger, okay? But I did live in Lafayette, Louisiana for 13 years. I will say they got us on that. The mosquitoes in Louisiana, the state bird of Louisiana is not the pelican. It's the mosquito, okay? Those things will full-on carry you off. They will eat your blood. I mean, they're vampires, all right? I don't know, you know, I mean, they're just going to suck your blood. And it's like, I don't know, for me, I don't know about you, but mosquitoes, they're like, if I get bit, it's like I get big old whelps, you know? Like someone's seeing me, I'm like, are you okay? Do you have the mumps? What's going on? I I mean, just every, I don't know what it is. I like to think I got sweet blood. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's my, my, my makeup, you know, whatever it is. I could be somewhere with Wendy. Those mosquitoes aren't going to touch her. They're going to come and they're going to devour me. It's not long before they're all over me. Now, I, I mean, mosquito, I mean, think about this. Seriously. You think about like ferocious animals that just hurt, kill, maim people. Tigers, lions. Wolves. Did you know those animals only kill about 10 people a year? Mosquitoes kill 75,000 people a year. Now, I know they're transmitting disease and things like that. Okay, but still, I mean, you got to see the magnitude of these mosquitoes. Now, I know what you're saying. Pastor Chris, help me translate. Here's the thing. What I want us to see is the same way we could be in an environment. Mosquitoes all around. You're like, I got to get out of here. It's the same way. We can be in a situation in life, and we don't realize all these consistent, nagging little things that begin to stack up, and over time, they become toxic. They impact our life. They pull us away from God's presence in our life. Think about it. When was the last time you felt discouraged? When was the last time you felt disappointed, frustrated, angry, upset, all these things that, that we experience in life. And what happens is this. We always don't approach these things really well. We don't navigate them well in life. See, because what we naturally do is we just see the big thing. The tragic thing that we experience. We think, well, that's really bad. And so I need to know how to navigate that. We don't realize that over time, all these little things that begin to impact us, they overwhelm us. And they begin to pull us away from actually experiencing God's presence in our life. I want us to look at the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 16. And as we look at Psalm 16, I want to give a little context here. The word psalm actually means song. David's writing. He's looking for refuge. He's looking for safety. He's looking for a safe place. And much of what's written when David writes in the book of Psalms, he's experiencing something challenging and negative. Sometimes it was significant, like running for his life, and sometimes it was just the challenges of everyday life. 
But whatever it was, he's writing. And I want you to understand that what's happening here is he's looking and he gives us a context. In fact, Psalms gives us a framework of how to navigate these things that we experience in life. Again, you think about the word psalm, it means song. It is connected to worship, living a thankful life and a worshipful life, singing and declaring God's goodness and his faithfulness. And I know what you're thinking. Many times you're thinking, man, can we just get to the message? Like, Pastor Chris, I purposely show up about 10 minutes late. That'll leave me about one, one and a half songs left, okay? And then we're done with the worship, you know? And let's just get to the message. Let's get to the meat. I actually don't even know what that means when people say, let's get to the meat. I'm like, what are you talking about? But anyway, I want to get in the message. That's what I'm really here for. But God knew best. Did you know the biggest, longest book in the Bible is a song book? You want to know why? Because God understood the connection between singing, the connection between worship, the connection between song and music. I talked about it last week. You all have your go-to playlist, right? That song that just gets you, like, fired up, right? Like, music does something. God knew. He knew better. He knew how it would begin to connect and how it would impact our life. Think of it this way. I think, think of, like, sporting events. I don't know about you. I'm watching the World Cup. I like the World Cup. Watching soccer only happens once every four years. I'm all into it, right? And you think about how they operate within the context of a sporting event in other countries across the world and how we operate. Like we go to a football game, like a, like, like a sporting event. It's like we're, like, we don't, we're not real creative. It's like defense, defense. Like that's it, right? We're like, yeah. You're like, make some noise, cheer for your team. All we do is just like yell, Last night, you know, we got some Aggie fans in here. We got LSU fans in here, depending on what side you're on. You woke up real happy. You woke up real sad. I have some close Aggie friends. Like, you think about what they do. Like, you ever been to an Aggie game? It's like, they're like, whoopsie, whoopsie, whoop. I don't know what they're doing. It's like, what is happening here? Like, what are, uh, what are they doing? But you go to, to, to a European country, and you watch them watch a soccer game. Have you ever seen it? Like, they're, like, singing song, Like, the whole stadium is, like, singing corporately. They showed a video. I don't know if you saw this. The NFL has been playing games in Europe this year. They played. I can't remember who it was. They were playing in Germany. They had the stadium. They showed the video. Go look it up. The whole stadium is singing. These are a bunch of Germans here singing. To get, the whole stadium is singing Country Road. Take Me Home Country Road by John Denver. All of them. All together in unison. It was awesome. It was beautiful. I was like, this is amazing. Why? They under, they're connecting this aspect of what happens when we corporately come together and sing. Something happens. It's not just random yelling and shouting and periodic chants for defense. Something happens. Now, I want us to understand, because I'm going to make this very practical as we look at Psalm 16, and then I'm going to break it down really practical for you, probably even more practical than you're thinking, on how we experience God's presence. See, corporate worship is significant and important, but corporate worship is just a byproduct of what happens personally when we individually worship with God. So it's not, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not just simply, oh, Pastor Chris is trying to get us to come in here and sing together and lift our hands and yell and shout and clap and cheer. No, 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 no. It's not about expression. That's what I told you last week. It's about engagement. Something happens when we worship. You see, God knew that. So when we look at the book of Psalms, Psalm 16, 
I'm going to read for you starting in verse 7. And when we look at this, remember, all of this, living a thankful life, living a worshipful life, what does it do? It ties us to experiencing God's presence in a more ongoing, consistent basis. Psalm 16, verse 7 says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. What does that mean, he guides me? We're going to look at how he guides us, how he guides us through the process of what we experience in everyday life. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me, and I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Verse 9, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. I want you to recognize that. We naturally think when we think of worship, when we think of gratitude, we're going to naturally think spiritual. But what David is saying is it's much more than just spiritual. There's an emotional and a physical impact as well. It, it, it impacts us externally as well. And there's rest that comes along. And we're going to see how that rest and what this pattern is that we recognize in Psalms, how that impacts our lives. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. We, we call this catastrophizing, which, which essentially means if it's bad, it's going to happen. Worst case scenario, that's all. And David, when you read the words of David, there's a lot of language like this that David uses. It's drastic. It's big. It catches your attention. So we go on, and what happens? Watch how David wraps this up in verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. And the pleasures of living with you forever. Remember, the peace that we want is on the other side of living a grateful life. The peace that you're looking for in your family, in your marriage, in your home, with your extended family, in your business, in your relationships. It's on the other end of gratitude. The joy that we want to experience in life, it's in his presence. I think we would normally say, we'd probably wake up going, I, I want more peace. I want, I want to be more thankful. I want to have more joy in my life. How do I get there? What, what does that look like? What do I do? You see, there's a better way. What David is saying is there's a way to elevate above the anxiety, the frustration, the angst, all the things that, not always big, the little things that stack up over time, that impact us, the negativity, the bias towards negativity. All of these things that begin to overwhelm, and what happens is they begin to pull us away from engaging in God's presence. You see, I want us to recognize this. We're created to live in God's presence and experience it every day. But why don't we? There's things that hinder us from doing that. And when we do, though, we have to recognize that it's his presence that brings health to every aspect of our lives. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what the rest of 2022 is going to look like for you. But I do know this. If I was to ask every single one of you, each of us would want more peace, more joy, and more of his presence in our life. I think about times in my life. Think about transition. Many of you are in transition. Transition's hard. It was about this time, about six years ago. That we were transitioning from Lafayette, Louisiana, where we had been for 13 years, and moving back to the great nation of Texas. And it was awesome, and we were excited. But can I tell you, there is always pain that's coupled with transition. Pain is always a part, even if it's a good thing. You got a promotion. 
And the promotion that you got now moved you from the people you used to work with. Now maybe you're their boss. It's challenging and painful. Maybe the people that you had familiar relationships with, now it's different. There was an addition to the family and you're excited Children are a gift and a blessing from God, but you are in this extended period of sleep deprivation and you don't know what to do with your life. It's hard. Maybe you just recently had a loss and a loved one that was once there previously is no longer there. Transition is hard. I can think about moments in my life when there was transition that we experienced. And oftentimes people, well, you're a pastor. Pastor Chris, you're a pastor. So like, you know, it's like, you know, you just live in God's presence. No, I don't. (laughs) Unless I choose to engage in being in God's presence. It's not a title. It's not a certain methodology. It's not just for a certain group of super Christians that have it all figured out. It's a desire that whether I feel his presence or not, whether I hear his voice or not, I'm going to engage in being in his presence. What does that even mean? In his presence, it simply means close to God. I want to be close to God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, all right. Pastor is going to talk to us about it. He said he's going to make it real practical. Well, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I'm going to get, okay, I'm, tomorrow morning, all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to get a candle, a little lamp, some worship music. I got my coffee, my Jesus Calling book. I'm ready. I'm in his presence. He said, lift your hands. Okay, I'm going to lift my hands. No, that may be part of it, but it's even more than that. I'm telling you, I am going to make it even more practical for you in how you can experience his presence and live a more thankful and worshipful life than I think you even realize because it can happen. But we have to engage with him in a way that perhaps we haven't before. So how do we do this? How do we experience God's presence consistently and every day? First is this. We have to stay open and engaged with him. Engaged. Right? We're not naturally good at this because here's what we do. We put God in a box. We have boxes where God resides. God resides in a small group. That's Sunday morning. My, small, my, my devotion time in the morning. God's a, that's where God, but, but he's not at, at, in the boardroom. He's not at, at work. He's not in the classroom or at school. We don't even realize that we unintentionally compartmentalize God. And we fail to realize that we can engage with him on an ongoing, regular basis, yet we miss it because we compartmentalize. It's never intentional, but it happens. It happens. And what happens is then we become closed off. Well, well, how does that happen? What keeps us closed and distant from his presence? First is this, distractions. What's distracting you? We are are overscheduled and overstimulated. And I'm going to be honest, for all of us who are raising teens and young adults, you want to talk about overstimulated? Device all the time in their fa- I want to, In all sorts of ways. I need a phone. I need a laptop. I need a tablet. I need a Nintendo Switch. I need this. I need that. Or blah, blah, blah. It's like I need it all the way over, over, overstimulated. And the truth is, mom and dad, we may not have all those things, but we have a little phone. And we were just... Guilty. You can be overstimulated and overscheduled and unintentionally. Now you're distracted from the main 
thing. Why? Because we're trying to figure out how do we get there? How do we navigate all the things? How do we multitask? I've shared with you before. Multitasking just simply means multi-distracted. When, when you look in leadership circles and when you look at, at project management, you'll, you'll, you'll see this task management or con- task switching and context switching. It's a tool and a resource that people will use often. And it may work with tasks. But after a while, what ends up happening is it causes you to be fractured and distracted, never fully engaged in recognizing you can experience God's presence even in the busyness of what you're walking through. We're busy. You ever been there before? Hey, how's it going? Ah, it's good. Busy, but good. We all say it. We all do it. Overscheduled, overstimulated. And what happens is this. When we feel that way and we need to make out and carve out some room to get all these things done, it never fails. The first thing to go is intentional time to engage in God's presence. I got to get stuff done. Got to get stuff done. Got to get stuff done. Why? Because, oh, this is my work box. This is my school box. This is my setting aside time to get ready for a vacation box. God box is over here. No, no, no. You can experience his presence all day, every day. When we live this way, we put God in a box and we feel, where's God? Well, we're closed off and we're distant from him because we're distracted. Here's the second way I think at times we're closed off is we're not self-aware. You ever met someone that's like, I'm I'm super self-aware. What's one thing about you that you really are? I'm very self-aware. I used to say that. Can I tell you, if anybody tells you they're very self-aware, they are not self-aware. The way you know that is because they just told you they are self-aware. We, are, we don't know what we don't know. We all need people in our lives to help us see things that we do not see. I mean, think about it. You, we think that we're further along. We don't recognize the posture that we take with people or with God. Body language is 80% of communication. I can remember coming in. Maybe you know that you're, you're familiar with this. The angry, resting face. Some of, you, some of you, you have that. I see you every Sunday morning. You're looking at me. I'm like, do you like what I'm saying? Do you even like me? I don't know. You, are you mad at me? What's wrong? I remember as a young man, I'd come home. Sit in, my, in, the, in the couch, in the room, you know, whatever. And my dad's like, hey, how's it going? I was good. Then notify your face. I'm like, okay, yes, sir. What's he saying? You're saying everything's good, but your face and your body language is communicating something completely different. So you start thinking about we are unaware of how we posture ourselves with God before God. The posture that we take is significant. It's not, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not about being more expressive. It's about being more engaged. If you come to me and I'm like this, Do I look like I'm really ready to be engaged with you? What am I saying? So so you you think about even in worship, you're like, worthy is the Lamb, Jesus. God knows that when we begin to open up, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not about being more expressive in worship. It's about the posture we take with God and how we can engage with him in a deeper way. I, I, I found something new this, this week. Just thinking about 
body language and engagement, posture. Have you ever heard of this? It's called the kindly brontosaurus. This is a thing. I'm about to help you. You don't even know how much I'm going to If any of you fly, you ever been at the ticket counter at an airline and something goes wrong and you're like, you got to get me on this flight, right? I, I kid you not, there's research going back to the early 90s. The kindly brontosaurus, there's diagrams. Just look this up. It means you lean in like, and you put your hands together like this and you just make eye contact with people and you go, I really need you to help. They said, if you do the kindly brontosaurus, you'll get whatever you want. I don't know how it works. I'm going to try it next time. Next time you're at the ticket counter airline, do the kindly brontosaurus. You'll get what you want. See, my problem is I don't do the kindly brontosaurus. I do the angry, angry T-Rex. I can't believe you're doing that. What are you doing? Get me on this flight. I got to get home. That's right. And some of you do that too. You get them T-Rex arms and you're all angry and upset. You're communicating something. What happens is we have to engage with him on an ongoing, regular basis. But when we are distracted and we're unaware, we fail to realize how we can engage with him at a greater level. When we do, we experience his presence. And when we experience his presence, we experience the peace and the joy that we're looking for. Here's the second way that we can experience his presence consistently in our life as we follow God's pattern in the Psalms. You see, there's actually a pattern in the book of Psalms when you look at how the writers in Psalms talked about how we live our life. There, there's, there's a pattern. I told you I was going to make it very practical for you. And how you can experience his presence. And I want you to know, we all experience things in life. We all have these negative, ongoing, sometimes big, sometimes little experiences that just come at us. And it becomes toxic. And it keeps us from his presence. But there's a pattern that we can learn from when we look at the book of Psalms on how we navigate those things. Psalms 42.5 says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see, even in my discouragement, I can still worship. I can still be grateful in all things. I can still always be thankful. I can still worship because he is worthy. So how do I do that? What is this process that I see as you look in the book of Psalms. Well, the, the, this pattern that we see starts with the process. We, we have to process and work through emotions, hurts, and offenses. You see, you, you even just on the back end of Thanksgiving, spending time with family, you're reminded of hurts and past experiences that you've been stuffing over and over and over again. Yet, you've got to process through you got to recognize why do I have these feelings this is what David's talking about when you look at the pattern of song David experienced some stuff you got to stop him and go what we're not ruled by our feelings we're not ruled by our emotions but we need to listen to him why do I have these feelings where are these feelings coming from what does God say about these feelings how do I navigate these things you see you don't realize what's actually happening inside your soul, when you don't process well, 
when you don't go to God and you don't, ex- you don't realize how it's impacting you experiencing his presence. Scientists have discovered medical professionals. It's actually called the brain-stomach axis. Okay? Your stomach is the only organ that operates like your brain. So when I eat something, I take, I, I digest it, I take the nutrients out, and then I get rid of it. Okay? Well, our brain is the same way when it comes to our experiences. And so we have these emotions, these thoughts, these feelings we're not ruled by, but we certainly need to process through, but we don't do that really well. So the medical term, when I don't process what I've taken in and then excrete it, it's called impacted is the medical term. People even die from being impacted. There are so many of us within our soul that are mentally and emotionally impacted because we take things in and we don't process it in a biblical, godly, healthy way. And we wonder why we feel what we feel. And we just stuff. And we think, oh, time heals all things. No, Jesus heals all things. And you have to process through with the work of Jesus to process through the things that you've experienced in life. Because if you don't, then what you'll do is you won't handle the next Step in the pattern that we see in Psalms, which is to medicate. You see, Jesus desires for healing, for wholeness. And we all will medicate. So when I'm feeling what I'm feeling, here's what you have to ask yourself. Where do I turn to find comfort? You see, you're coming into a busy holiday season. You already were in it. And you're going to start feeling anxiety and worry. You're going to start thinking about past feelings and emotions. It may be the first holiday without a loved one. And all of a sudden, sorrow and grief is coming back up. What do I do? How do I navigate it? We all have a way in which we do this. Maybe you just double down on work. I'm going to work more, more, more. Maybe it's I'm going to exercise more, more, more. Maybe you're like, I'm going to eat my feelings. Give me some pumpkin pie. That will make me feel better. Maybe it's you turn to drinking. Maybe you actually turn to an actual medication. Whatever it is, and even in those things, all of those things in and of themselves aren't bad. But when we take anything that may not be bad and we look to that to be our source of comfort other than Jesus, then it only makes things worse. There's a pattern that we see. You see, there's these things we experience in life. And either we're going to process them properly so that we can medicate properly. We can actually go to the one who can actually help us and bring healing and wholeness. Or we make things worse and we compound the situation. Because then the pattern ends with this, refreshing. Where are you going to be refreshed? How are you restored within your soul? Rest is not a condition of your schedule or a location because you're on vacation. Because you go away. Because you take trips. That's all well and good. Nothing wrong with all those things. But you got to look and go, what am I doing to rest and renew my strength? Think of that vacation you spent all the money and time on to get there. Only to get home to be more tired and disappointed because it didn't deliver what you were actually looking for. We all do it. We all do our best to do it. But there's a biblical pattern for rest and refreshing. You see, when you look at God's pattern, rest, Sabbath, sleep, give, generosity, those are the things that bring refreshing. The truth is, for me, 
this is really probably the first place I'll get off. I'll get off track here. Because what will happen is when I get busy, I'll just push even harder. I'm just going to go even harder. I'm going to do even more. I'm going to go, 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 go. Because I, I got I to I work the extra hours because I got to be able to make some money to be able to get all those Christmas gifts. I'm going to work the extra hours because I got to be able to meet those bills or make that payment or do these things or whatever. And all of a sudden, what happened? Again, distracted. I have all these things pulling. I'm overscheduled and overstimulated, and it's pulling me away. I'm not refreshing in a biblical way. I'm not medicating in a healthy way because I'm not processing what's actually going on and what I'm experiencing. Why is this so important? See, because this is where we live. Because when I say, do you want to experience God's presence? Well, yeah, I do. But how? How come? The normal thought is I read more, I pray more, and that'll do it. Yes, read more. We probably all should read the Bible more. Yes, pray more. We probably all should. Paul said pray without ceasing. But this is actually practically how you're going to get that going. Because we all want to read our Bible more. We all want to pray more, but yet we don't do it. Why? Because we don't process what we're experiencing well. We find something else other than God's presence to medicate. And we don't live refreshed because we're overscheduled and overstimulated. If we will begin to evaluate this and will follow the biblical pattern found in his word, what begins to happen is we'll experience God's presence on a daily basis. God's desire for us is healing and wholeness. I'm reminded as I'm about to pray for you here in just a minute of a story. Ten lepers or Jesus comes across these ten lepers in Luke 17. And they ask Jesus, they actually just call him by name. And Jesus tells them, go to the synagogue, go and see the priests. I'm paraphrasing here. And the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. They were healed. And when they recognized their healing and people saw they had been healed, here's what happened. One of them came back to Jesus. And Jesus said, were there not ten of you? He said, go. Your faith has made you whole. You see, all ten were healed, but only one experienced wholeness. Experiencing God's presence. Engaging with Him at a level of gratitude. How can you make more room, not just in this busy season, because if I'm to be thankful always, it's not just for November and December. It's not just for monumental birthdays and, you know, milestone, pivotal moments in life. It's always in all things. Because when I am, I'm more worshipful. And I begin to experience His presence in an ongoing, consistent basis. Not just because of the environment I'm in, not just because of the right music or lights, but because I engage with Him and I minimize distractions. Because I begin to process, medicate, and refresh in a biblical and healthy way.